0: Start your free trial by going to luminary.link slash Note to Self, or download the Luminary app for free.
1: Listener supported, WNYC Studios. Hi, it's Manouche, and this is New Tech City. And before we get started, I just want to thank you, dear listener, for making us the number one tech podcast on iTunes this past week. You rock! If you haven't rated us yet, please take a second. Do It, Keep Us Up There. And now it's our show about wisdom in the workplace and how being a young boss or working for one is like listening to Beyonce. Sitting next to me is New Tech City producer Alex Goldmark. And Alex, when you hear those trumpets, you know exactly what it is, right? Yeah, it's that riff from Beyonce's
2: Crazy in Love.
1: Right, you know the riff, You know the song, and you may have even bought her most recent album, maybe.
2: Uh, The one that dropped like a secret? No, I didn't actually buy that, but I was impressed by how it sold because Beyoncé is one of the few musicians out there who can still sell a full album. I mean, millions of them, right?
1: Right, and here comes the analogy. I went to see a guy called John Borthwick. He's pretty well known on the New York tech scene as the head of Betaworks. He's also on WNYC's board of trustees, I should mention, and Betaworks sort of acts as an umbrella for a whole bunch of smaller tech companies like Bitly, TweetDeck. Anyway, John likes to use music as an analogy to how technological changes are upending all kinds of businesses.
2: If you think in the old days, the atomic unit in music was really the album. The singles would be used to promote an album. An album was a package that was essentially created for a distribution mechanism.
1: But of course, the moment we changed how music gets distributed by putting it online then the song becomes the atomic unit. We just buy songs.
2: Or even you can disaggregate songs as people sort of remix songs, break them apart, and then turn them into other songs.
1: Remixing songs means you have to break them down to their little bits. <laughs> that Beyoncé riff? Well, actually, it comes from the Shy Lights. Their song, Are You In Love, from 1970, And that little riff, those little bits of songs, are enough to trade in now to be their own products. Put them together, they create new, bigger products.
2: You can think of the riffs as individual, sort of as the atomic units. So I think in the same way, you're seeing businesses are going to get deconstructed into their atomic units.
1: So a business can be smaller and still work now. You don't need 12 thought-out songs and a marketing budget, just a riff. A good idea.
2: So, like Bitly over there at BetaWorks, it's just one idea to make a web address shorter. Mm-hmm. Done. That's enough of an idea for a business now.
1: That's enough of an idea. Basically, the barrier to entry is so small. I think that's why we're hearing about so many young founders, and it feels like Everyone in New York has a frickin' company.
2: <laughs> and you wanted to know what does that mean for the old idea of career paths? Mm-hmm. I mean, normally it, there was this idea of gaining experience and wisdom built into paying your dues or climbing a ladder.
1: So in this episode, how to be a young boss or work for one with three and a half stories.
2: And we have tips. Love tips. <laughs>
1: Let's start with some of the youngest, most successful bosses out there. Not a tech company per se, but tech-enabled. Hi, I'm Emily Matson, and I'm the Emmy of MEJ. And
2: I'm Julianne Goldsmark, the J of J. and I am a co-founder as well.
1: We are 18.
2: You thought it would be fun to find the youngest bosses <laughs> that I could. So I called up my first cousin, once removed something like that.
1: She's like your third...
2: Yeah, Yeah. my dad's cousin's kid. Uh Julianne and her business partner, Emily,
1: a.k.a., they are Emmy J. Emmy J, as in Emmy J hair ties. They are like the scrunchies of this decade. Jennifer Aniston, Sarah Jessica Parker, they all tie their hair back with these things.
2: They're in like 2,000 stores now, and it started with this pair of teenagers walking into boutiques pushing a new hairband four years ago. From the beginning, when we started, we were 13, 14 years old, and I think it was a challenge to be taken seriously in a very adult-dominated industry. Youth hurt them in those early sales visits, but adorable cuteness (laughs) helped them in the marketing. Oprah loved the story of Of the two tweens starting a business that gave to charity. And so they grew fast, up to, get this, 25 employees. But they don't take the title of boss. No, I think it's very collaborative. I mean, I wouldn't say we were necessarily bosses of like everything that goes on. We have an amazing team that includes our two mothers. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, with their moms. (laughs) Moms. They handle things like firings when it had to happen.
1: Yeah, we have like yeah, we're definitely that's that's not not our our domain. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because just because you're a hair tie genius doesn't mean you have the chops to run a sustainable business all on your own. Okay, I don't mean to be dismissive. That was our half story, and here's our first tip. Outsource what you can't do. Alex, the girls getting their moms to manage the tough HR problems makes total sense to me. My parents always taught me to have deference to my elders, be respectful of their experience...
2: But that deference was based on the assumption that they knew better. Now, with the pace of technological change, your guess is as good as your dad's guess.
1: Oh, I know. And it makes me a little bit uncomfortable. I just like thinking that someone has the answer. And, you know, I got to say, Alex, I'm not sure how I would feel about working for someone who is much, much younger than me, 15 years, 20 years,
0: 25 years.
2: From what people tell me, it is tricky. Meet story number one, Caroline Waxler.
0: Hi, I'm Caroline Waxler. I do editorial strategy, I produce conferences, I program conferences, I write, and I edit.
2: She runs a company called Harkness Hall, but back in 2009, she was the first hire at the startup LearnVest.
1: Yeah, we covered them before. It's personal finance online, basically.
2: So Caroline was pushing 40, and she finds herself working for a 24-year-old. Lots of charisma, big ideas, but not much actual management experience. It was exhilarating, she says, educational, and humbling.
0: I had come from being oftentimes the young Turk. All of a sudden you walk in and you're like, why isn't anyone paying attention to me? I used to be the star. <laughs> and all of a sudden it's all about the founder. <laughs> oh, harsh.
2: She had worked at places like Time Inc. before and she was used to interviewing and working with big names, like important people. And now that kind of player would show up at the office. But.
0: You come by, you're just one person in a cubicle and they're not there to see you. They're there to, to walk past you and see the 24-year-old founder. So it's hard, and you just have to kind of refocus your mind and just say, I'm here for the work.
1: Oh, uh, I don't – Alex, that just – it pains me. But, I, you know, I guess she has the right attitude. You work is work, right? No matter who it's for. She's pretty positive
2: about all of it. She sees it as a learning experience. And in a sense, she says it helped her stay fresher and more innovative because it made her more tolerant and more flexible. And, I mean, okay, check this work travel story from when the LearnVest team went to a conference in the early days.
0: So I was out there, and instead of each staying in – our own hotel rooms. Her cousin, John, had lived down in San Francisco and had a house that he was then selling. He had a party that night, and we all just crashed in John's apartment. And three of us crashed in one bed. <laughs> it was crazy. I mean, it was just like one night. It was me, the CEO, and the CMO. We all fell asleep in this bed. And I was like, this is crazy. I remember coming back and telling my family, like, this is kind of nuts. And I just started dating my husband. He was like, you did what? <laughs>
1: Oh, okay. I see both sides. On the one hand, she's willing to put up with a sleepover because she wants the company to grow. She believes in the founder. On the other hand, though, Alex, no way. I'm a grown-up. I deserve my own bedding. Thank you. And frankly, I love business trips because I get away from my children. I get to be alone. But yes, the point here is standard business practices do not
0: apply.
2: Yeah, so the tip from Caroline's story is be ready to be humble And then you might learn a thing or two.
0: And you just really have to check your ego at the
1: door. Okay, we're leaving our egos at the door. Fine. Go on. Story number two.
2: The young sage. Meet Brian Wong. Hi, I'm Brian Wong, the founder and CEO of Keep. Brian is 22, and he started his company when he was 19, one of the youngest people ever to get venture capital.
1: I like this idea, actually. It serves up paid rewards instead of ads in an app.
2: Yeah, like a deal on groceries when you clear out your shopping list or a free song when you beat a new level in a game. It's a smart idea that he had as Mm. a teenager, and now, poof. He's managing 50 or so employees, some of them double his age. And so he has learned to walk the fine line of acknowledging that he is so young, but also not obsessing over age.
3: Most of, I would say, 100% of the decisions that we make have nothing to do with age. When you kind of think it matters, it actually begins to actually matter.
1: I just – come on. I just – I have a hard time believing that.
2: Well, so he says not numeric age, right? And he tries not to be the big boss man and toss out orders from on high as a way to compensate.
3: I don't actually view it as managing at all. I think it's more about enabling because I can't with a straight face tell these people that I'm more experienced than them because I'm not or nor do I know better in terms of life experience.
2: He knows that employees with more experience will know how certain tasks are done or the way an industry works. But he also knows that maybe things shouldn't be done in the old way.
1: Yeah, because he's making products for apps. There's no, like, here's how we used to do it in my day, sonny.
2: Right, and when he does have to do the perennial tasks that were always done, like hiring— He's coming up with new ways to do those boss duties. So take how he does interviewing. He uses questions with no real right answer. What, huh? Okay, Manoush, what would you say is your superpower?
1: <laughs> I am just weird enough to actually have done a lot of thinking about this. Doesn't surprise me. Um, you won't tell us? Okay, it's mind reading. Obviously, you don't have that superpower, but whatever.
2: I think Brian would approve.
3: Most people don't actually know the answer to the question. The reason why we ask this question is helping you identify the things that you know you're good at and that you can hone in on those strengths rather than constantly trying to fix your weaknesses.
1: Okay, I obviously love that question, but I don't see how asking it sorts out who is comfortable taking orders from a whiz kid who could only just legally buy a beer.
2: The whole thing is about fit, cultural fit, because he knows that it is especially important for a young CEO. He also has candidates write their own job descriptions.
3: When we have someone write their own job description, if we see a natural alignment on what happens to be their MO or what makes them tick and what makes them excited about doing whatever they're doing every day, that's when we sort of take that and match it back to what we know we specifically need. And then when we see that fit, it just makes a lot more sense that way.
1: Pretty clever. So the tip here is, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Alex, instead of age and inexperience, see things in terms of personal strengths and weaknesses.
2: Brian views himself and his employees in terms of what everyone is good at, not how long they've done a task.
1: But surely, Alex, there are still some jobs where experience continues to count, even in tech, right?
2: Of course there is. And that's where our third lesson and our third story come in. Arjun Dave Aurora is another young CEO.
0: Yeah, so I started the company when I was just 24.
2: But if Brian Wong was an accidental CEO, Arjun studied for it, planned for it, Dreamed of it.
0: Personally, I have a strong passion for leadership, management, psychology, and philosophy. So I had done a lot of reading around these sorts of issues. Mm, he's and
2: getting
1: himself ready for this.
2: He now has about 30 employees working for him. So he's putting it to use. He founded Retargeter, an online ad service company. And now he's looking for a chief operating officer to run the company with him.
1: His Cheryl Sandberg.
2: Right. He wants a candidate with 20 or 30 years experience. And he says it helps to be an old soul.
0: As a young CEO, you really have to mature quickly uh, in order to be successful in your role. So I think oftentimes folks have told me that, oh, Arjun, you seem much more mature for your age. Um, and I think, you know, it's maybe a chicken and the egg issue, but maybe I was able to hire more senior people because I was more mature uh, rather than the other way around.
2: So what I learned from talking to Arjun, let's let's call it our last tip, it's that it is hard to be a young CEO and you really do have to put a lot of thought into who you are as a person, right? He is trying to understand who his employees are in having to deal with very serious conversations with them maybe a little before he should, like firing a parent maybe, right? Or, you know, trying to recruit someone who won't take you seriously, he just needs to have up his level of self awareness. Okay, it's a tough tip. I mean, it would help everybody, right? We should all just be more self. Yes,
1: we should all be more self aware. This self-aware. Is public radio. But you know, you're also talking like Beyonce, because I got to bring it back to her. He's kind of got to be a triple threat. He's got to be a technologist. He's got to be a leader, and he also has to be the face of his company, essentially. So, I don't know. I think this is a good excuse too. <laughs>
2: Okay, so with our riff playing, this is a good time to review our three tips for being a young boss or working for one. Here are our three and a half tips. The first half one
1: outsource what you can't do. My personal favorite.
2: All right, our first full tip check your ego at the door.
1: I have a hard time with this one, but okay.
2: It's for if you are the older employee. All right, tip number two. Don't think of things in terms of age and inexperience. Think of them as strengths and weaknesses of you and your employees.
1: Do a Jedi mind trick on yourself, basically. Okay, and and
2: our final tip, like we just said, work on your human side, not just your
1: tech side. Which is hard for robots. Really freaking hard. All right, (laughs) we're going to leave it there with a little Beyonce. Take us out. Thanks so much, Alex. Thanks, Mish. Okay, New Tech City listeners, next Thursday, January 23rd, I'm hosting an event, and I would love to have you join me online. The event is called Hit the Reset Button for 2014, How to Live a Purposeful Digital Life. Go to our website, newtechcity.org, for information on how to stream or watch the show on demand. It's digital detox, New Tech City style. Besos. I'm Anush. This was New Tech City.